Hello, and welcome to the Cinematic Comicverse, the podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Speakman, and of course, as always, we have Corey and Davis. Should do we are we on last name basis on this podcast? No, we're we're very mysterious. We're just first name. All right, I retract my last name being Speakman then. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Uh, doing I, I'm great. Yeah, Ryan is actually rubbing it in our face. He has a last name because Corey and I were not <laughs> blessed with one. That is true. It's a it's one of the saddest fates, but I mean, Corey Davis. If you just put them together, it makes a full functioning name. name. <laughs> That's true. We could be one person. <laughs> As, I, uh, sounds like the plot um, of a Tales to Astonish issue. <laughs> that is my new goal in life to write a Tales to Astonish. Uh apparently all you need to do is rip a rip a story out of some classic tale and change a few things. Looking at you, Hank Pym. <laughs> It seems like they never decided early on if he was Hank or Henry. Yeah, and that's not a name that I'm familiar with, like, one being a nickname for. Like, Hank is not Henry. What is Hank a nickname for, then? Or is Hank just a name? I think Hank's just a name. So, I have a... My my wife's youngest brother, his name is Henry, and... Some in the family would call him Hank or Hanky uh, when he was a very young kid. Unfortunately. And he, well, my mother-in-law hated it and said like, <laughs> no, his his name is Henry, but you may not call him Hank. So wow. I don't know if there are other news that get to Hank, but I know that Henry can can be a bridge to Hank. Yeah, I did a quick Google and Henry. At least or in my Harry. wife's family. Oh. Yeah, Henry or Harry, which is so odd. I, I'm not a fan. Um. Oh, please, Corey, finish I, that I thought. Mean, like, um, I really came in hot with that. Like, I don't agree that that Hank is allowed to be a nickname for these. Like, I I have an opinion. <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself. Well, um, are you guys reading anything? Should we get into that part of the show? I'm still making my way through um, Spider-Man and Deadpool crossover. Um, I'm not. I'm not very far into it. I think I'm on ten now, but still fun. Still silly. Sounds great. What what issue are you on at this point? I I'm trying to find it in my little library, but I think I'm on ten. Ten or eleven. It's a good number. There's like fifty, so I'll be reading this forever. <laughs> uh I know a host of a podcast I listen to often. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrote one of those issues, but I I don't think he wrote the main one of the main series issues. I think he wrote 
kind of like one of the one shot okay offshoot ones oh, but shout I, out to I, scott ackerman scott ackerman i feel like i read that one really maybe it is in the main one that name sounds familiar well okay i am wrong i have through 12 i've read 12 i'm on 13 wow. and my favorite one is they did um a comic book on this like it was set on the set of the deadpool movie and it was very silly that does sound good <laughs> yep recommend now davis i was just telling Corey while you were uh adjusting some things before we started recording that uh my girdle I... <laughs> while you were adjusting your girdle i was telling Corey that i constantly am getting texts from you and it seems that all of your time is dedicated to reading comics lately. Yeah, it's it, it it's nonstop. Um, soon and out. What a treasure trove my public is. And so, as I'm packing, I'm grabbing comics that I have been meaning to read for a long time. All right, and I'm going to stop you real quick. Will you repeat that first part again? Because it came in kind of choppy. Uh, and it's probably my internet, but unfortunately, because I'm recording, the listeners will hear what I'm hearing. It, it's it, it's okay. And we're, I'll give it another go. We're a no-edit podcast, so you're hearing it all, folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I... Uh, so I'm I'm moving soon, and that involves me packing things away. And as I do that, I come across comics that I have had for a long time and think to myself, oh, I've been meaning to read that. And so I'll hold that back, and I'm supplementing that reading by tapping into my public library, which has a very impressive... A collection of comic books. So I, over the past few weeks, have just dived headfirst into the Watchmen universe. I read Watchmen, followed immediately by Doomsday Clock. Um, I am currently juggling the uh, Chip Zdarsky Daredevil series with the... Uh, Matt Fraction Hawkeye series. Um, both of those are very good. Uh, so like I'm I'm an attorney, right? And so I like Daredevil. One of the things that I have not liked about him quite as much is he can be a little bit holier than thou in the sense that he's like very serious about having this mission to like do the right thing at all costs, but he's also extremely um, like not self-centered, but like egotistical, I guess uh, he, he, he believes in his abilities above. I don't know the, the, the every man or whatever, like he, he believes that he is greater than others. And he's I a, have really a real Chad. If you will, yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he he might be like the Giga Chad of the <laughs> of the Marvel universe, 
But is a blind Chad a thing? Is a what? A blind Chad a thing? Seems like some sort of (laughs) biblical phrase I've heard before. (laughs) Um, probably so. Probably (laughs) so. Uh, so yeah. You know, Matt Murdock is a total blind Chad, and (laughs) he in 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 the Zadarsky one, I I feel that he's brought down a peg or two, which has which has made that reading more enjoyable. But I I have about two or three more weeks with my public library and I'm trying to squeeze all all of it that I can out uh, because I'm moving to a more remote area that I fear will not have the same uh, comic book collection. I now that I think of it, I was thinking of the hanging Chad from English literature. Wait, I, that I was, is what I was thinking of. I was like, <laughs> is there another Chad reference? Okay, <laughs> just just believed you. Um, for uh, those, uh, just to get my facts straight, Doomsday Clock is DC's attempt to bring the Watchmen into the DC universe. Correct? Yes. Were they successful or was it not successful? Um, I, I liked that I got more of the Watchmen universe. Uh, but I will say that it's integration within the DC universe was to me a little bit sloppy. Um, uh, 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 like, much was made about Dr. Manhattan and how he would basically square up against Superman. And that kind of becomes like the crux of the entire crossover, especially Mm -hmm. in the second volume. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, good. Not great. Yeah. Well, I, uh, after our age of Ultron episode, I said to myself, uh, there's a reason why Brian Michael Bendis has been, that name has been thrown around a lot in terms of great comic book writers. And so I finally decided to tackle the uh, his run on New Avengers. And it is good. Uh, that is all I really have to say about that, but... It starts off with uh, the end of the current Avengers at that time, in like early 2000s, where someone has figured out a way to systematically kind of take out all the Avengers. Uh, Hawkeye ends up dying during this battle, and no one, like, things just keep escalating and escalating, and no one has any idea what is going on. And once they finally figure out one thing, something worse happens. And uh, I won't spoil who is behind it all, but it uh, ties into some other crossovers that Brian Michael Bendis is uh, responsible for. And then, yeah, it's just a good classic story of after that, the Avengers figuring out should we do this again? And they do it again and get into some crazy adventures. (laughs) 
and it, it is a kind of a, a cool lead up into civil war seeing like minor disputes between uh tony and steve rogers but mm. I, I I remember seeing some references to that in my leather-bound uh, novel adaptation of <laughs> Civil War. Uh, um, and I, one other thing I read that I really want to shout out is uh, from Ahoy Comics, a comic book series called My Bad, and just a really good parody of superheroes. Uh where it's just kind of like really dumb superheroes, I guess. Uh, for instance, they have their parody of Batman, the chandelier who owns a lamp company. And he has, he literally wears a chandelier over his face and clicks it on when he's in the dark. So people know that he is the chandelier. Uh, but I don't know. It's it had me laughing a lot. It was uh, some some clever parody. So yeah, my bad is the comic. But enough about that. Shall we uh, discuss today's topic? The very Ant Man. <laughs> yes. Let's get into it. <laughs> well, let's get into uh, the comics we read for this. So we read Tales to Astonish 27 and 35, which introduces Hank Pym, and then the uh, latter issue introducing his actual Ant-Man suit. And then we read Avengers 181, which is the first appearance of Scott Lang. And then Marvel premiere 47 through 48, which shows how Scott Lang becomes the new Ant-Man and is basically the movie that we watch as well. Um, but yeah, Corey, you said you had some uh, some summaries prepared for these. So do you want to get into that? Two, these are expertly prepared, so be ready. Which two are expertly prepared? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All. <laughs> what did you? What was the question you asked? Did I answer weirdly? Uh, you said yeah. I. I thought you said two of these are expertly prepared, oh. and then I said which two, and you said all of them. <laughs> I. I'm pretty sure I said um, which are. Oh, I don't know. okay. <laughs> um, but all of that, or, yeah, like. I that is the amount of seriousness that we should take to this. Yes, Davis. I, I was just going to say, like, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but we do have you on tape and you absolutely said two of these are expertly prepared. <laughs> and Ryan asked you which two and you said all of them. Okay, I have one, two, three, That means something as an attorney as well. It does. So I have four comic summaries, like four separate summaries. So I'm going to read them, and then I would like both of you to come up with an answer of which ones are expertly prepared. <laughs> Ooh. All right. All right. Okay. We start with Tales to Astonish, number 27, which opens on Hank Pym 
shrinking furniture and reflect reflecting on the mean girls of science who made fun of him and his desires to shrink stuff. Um, then Hank decides to move along in the natural progression from furniture to experimenting on people, which of course means he's experimenting on himself. So he pours his li liquid shrink formula onto himself and surprise, it works. Uh, he is shrunk down, but it worked a little too well. He's a little too tiny. And oh no, his shrink formula is on the really logical place of a windowsill far away from where he was doing this experiment or where he was shrinking himself. Um, and then in just the confusion of, oh my gosh, it worked, he somehow falls outside. And um, Classic Hank. That's a what? Classic Hank. Classic, yes, classic Hank. So I feel like last episode we talked about how Hank sucked, and I, I'm really seeing it here. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a reason those mean girls were making fun of him. Yeah, um, it, it is interesting reading things about him in the future versus now. Yes, of just how yes. he progressively gets a little more arrogant and all that yeah uh yeah he he seems very like almost bumbling scientist in these early ones yeah um, i i do want to uh i've sent a few of my favorite panels from this they're so great and just one of just the one with a tiny chair next to his feet and him exclaiming i've reduced the chair to doll size <laughs> makes me laugh uh, these will be on my Instagram slash our Instagrams. So if you want to see the doll sized, turn there. Um, okay. So after he does his doll sized furniture and falls outside, he is scared of the ants and then makes friends with ants. Uh, and then he uses one of these very nice ants to climb up to the window. Um, oh, actually... Before they climb up to the window, there are some mean ants. So he finds one nice ant, and then there are other mean ants that are, like, chasing him. And then he uses the nice ant to climb up to the window and get the formula and go big. Um, um, I'm going to pause there. Any, any other thoughts about this one before we move on? Mm, yes. Expertly crafted summary. Okay, okay. <laughs> I... I, I... I just want to jump in and say, number one, I really admire that Hank Pym is not at all interested in practical projects and only wants to use his talents on like what, what uh, he in, in these early pages, we see that he's basically been um, made fun of by, by his scientific peers they're like, oh, Hank, you're just a mad scientist. Why don't you do something practical? And he says something to the effect of, no, I will only pursue my own personal interests and passions. <laughs> and I, I, I think that's really cool because as someone who sometimes uh, worries that the things that I like are not practical enough or, or you know, the ways that I spend my time and talents uh, may not be the best possible use. I 
I, I, I have a friend in Hank Pym who says, screw them, make chairs for dolls. I would have been one of the peers who is making fun of Hank after giving up my own dreams. <laughs> what dreams have you given up? Uh, let's get into Tales to Astonish number 35. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, one thing that I wanted to say, so I didn't mention the summary, but when Hank initially goes into the anthill, he's like caught in honey. Like he's walking along and there's like all this honey on the floor. And don't worry, I Googled it. Cause I was like, do ants just leave honey around? Like what are they doing with this honey? <laughs> And there are honey ants, but they don't just leave it laying around. They actually have part of their body as a storage container for the honey. And so there's like some of the honey ants that store the honey and they like get the honey and then they just like hang out and are kind of containers for honey just in the anthill and other ants go and get the honey from them. Um, Ant-Man is fake. <laughs> so fake. Um, oh, another thing is, why are the ants so mean? I I just didn't really understand that. That was my question. Uh, like most things in life, uh, it's just miscommunication. Mm, yes. Yes. The ants just didn't uh, understand what Hank's needs were, and Hank didn't understand what their needs were. You just needed to talk it out. Use some um, I statements. <laughs> this... <laughs> So, like, throughout both of these comics, I noticed that there were a lot of, like, editor's notes that were very interested in teaching readers about some of, like, the biology and, and like, sociology of ants, where, I, I don't know, like, he, he was, he was studying the, the ant colonies, and he's like, there's only a few females and many... Uh, many workers and then it's like hey in case you didn't know females are called queens and they have uh wings and the males are called worker ants and i, I don't know just like every few pages we'd be getting these fun informative facts about ants they don't like do that, that with batman <laughs> i've learned nothing about bats i don't learn nearly enough about bats Yep. Um. <laughs> there, 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 there isn't much to bounce off of that, and I'm sorry for just kind of throwing that dead fish in your laps. But I mean, just something I noticed. <laughs> it makes me wonder which comic is more educational about bats: Morbius or Batman? Ooh, that I that should definitely be added as an episode. <laughs> <laughs> So on like Instagram and stuff, the phrase it's Morbin time has become like a, a meme in itself. And it makes me laugh every time I see it. <laughs> it's beautiful. Okay. Well, I'm just going to transition <laughs> to the return of Ant-Man. Number, uh, this is Tales of Astonish number 35. And in this one, so at the end of 27, Hank was like, I just need to get rid of the formula or the, the shrinking liquid and everything because it's too powerful. And then 
in The Return of Ant-Man, they kind of do a recap of what happened in the previous one, but they change it a little bit where instead of throwing away the shrieking formula and the liquid, he hides in a special safe some of the liquid, you know, for later, which is then what we're going to get into. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Hank has special stored formula. And he also, af- after the events of 27, does some deep dive into ants and learns all about them. So it's kind of where Davis was talking about where we learned some cool stuff about ants. Brought it back. There was a reason. And and then... um. Uh, And then he kind of, like, creates a suit to talk to them. So he's realizing how they communicate and is like, oh, maybe I can talk to ants. So he makes a suit to talk to them. And then magically, in the same day that he finishes said suit, some scary men come to... uh, Oh, no, no, this is before the scary men. He finishes a suit and government spooks come and give him a top secret assignment. And then yes. important to note, he needs to make an anti-radiation formula. So great. <laughs> so great. That was also that was critical. Thank you, Ryan. For oh, you're welcome. This is this is not as well done of a summary. <laughs> it was missing a very crucial detail. <laughs> well, I once you get into another detail, I have a question about it. But continue. Okay. Okay. Um, so then he is working on this anti-radiation formula, and the bad guys are like, oh no, Hank is getting really close to solving it. So, assume, here's my yeah. question. Uh-huh. What country are the bad guys supposed to be from? Come it, on, it, Brian. It's mentioned they're on the Eastern Hemisphere. Hmm. Uh, France. Please, Davis, illuminate me. <laughs> they are from, from Russia. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, 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 this was what, 58, 59? Yeah, it felt very no. Cold War. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I mean, by, by this point, Germany is taken care of, plus they already had Adolf Hitler on the cover of a Captain America comic. So, you know, they, they, they've, they've worn that out pretty quickly. It's time to move on to the Red Scare. All right. Just make it sure. Because that was my assumption, but there was only one panel and they didn't... I feel like they would have cashed in on saying, like, it's the Russians or the commies or something like that. Like, now now that you say that, they've been so heavy-handed with... I mean, like I said, Adolf Hitler was literally getting... He, he, he was taking an uppercut from Captain America. Uh, they did not try at all to hide the communist Cuba uh, references when we were when, when we were reading Winter Soldier. So the fact that it only got one panel and that our only clue that they are Russian is that they were our enemy and that they were very heavy browed, uh, large men with dark hair. You, you, you'd think there would have been a little more. I, I like to believe that they were they did come across with that heavy handedly, but they were like, but the kids need to know who the queen ant is. So we gotta cut the rest of the stuff out. Dead. <laughs> what was that? 
I said I really like that version of events. Like I could just see it. Maybe, maybe all of this subtext about the ants was supposed to be some veiled criticism of the USSR, <laughs> but because we're reading it as a modern audience, we just don't get that layer. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there were many diagrams that were written out on what the symbolism and metaphors were. <laughs> yes, took great care. <laughs> all right okay. Corey, continue all right. so our bad guys um they come to attack the great scientists who are working on said formula and hank he uses the suit and saves the day but in secret no one knows it's him this is actually what i like about the ant-man suit that's really interesting is no one like often like no one sees him it's just like all of a sudden they're like oh we're free how quirky like now we can get away and we can beat the bad guys but he was the one that saved them um and so he just kind of like in secret beats the bad guys without anyone noticing i another interesting thing about the ant-man suit is in the comic it's not the source of the shrinking it's the source of being able to communicate with the ants Yes, that's a good point. But the formula for shrinking is completely separate, and I think probably later it's integrated into the suit. Not um, not not for nothing, Hank Pym appears to be really good at making serums. Uh, <laughs> and, and I know that that's just like lazy shorthand for accomplished smart scientist, but the the fact that he made one of the most incredible discoveries in like scientific history and just hid that one away and then immediately began working on an anti-radiation serum that was also very close to being completed <laughs> is uh impressive yeah classic serums i i do think uh i there was a spider-man i was reading recently with uh morbius actually where spider-man grows extra arms because his spider-man powers are taken to the next level by consuming a serum that was supposed to take his powers away and a big plot not a big detail they kept mentioning is well if the serum turns blue it'll work <laughs> according to my calculations <laughs> oh my God. So, blue After means go in the serum world. Yeah. What was I, that, Davis? After careful research, I've determined that if the serum turns blue, or any shade in the blue family, <laughs> you're good. But if it begins to take on a green tinge, it is fatal. <laughs> it's like, ah, this is like an aquamarine, a seafoam green. What is it? <laughs> Uh, well, moving on from from that <laughs> distraction, what even was that? Um, uh, that concludes serum Avengers... talk. <laughs> we have Avengers 181. Now, this is an incredibly brief appearance from Scott. It's one of those traditional blink and you miss it first appearances where Scott is installing new Stark security system on the Avengers building 
and he is an employee of Stark International. That's about it. Yeah, the, he's a, an electrician, line. correct? Yeah. Or you no, know, he he installs security systems. I forget what it is. I think he which nice, systems. yeah. Which, which which I thought was a really nice like integration into the movie. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll get we'll get to that, but I very clever. I do love when comics do this, where they they like introduce a character who seems like he's not important, and then they make him important. Agreed. That is fun. Um, and now we're gonna learn why he's important in Marvel premiere. Forty-seven to forty-eight. Is this premiere or preview? Premiere. Premiere. Okay. I kept getting those mixed up where I would type the wrong one and be like, "It doesn't exist. I can't find it." And I'm sure we'll get into this again, but this is these are the two issues that Edgar Wright based the screenplay off of. Which was super clear. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this is the first appearance of Scott Lang as Ant-Man. And in it, um, so we start with Ant-Man trying to save a doctor. And then in a flashback, we get to Scott getting out of prison and being reunited with his daughter, who is being taken care of by his sister. And his daughter is very sick, and he just can't keep up with the bills. So he he decides to go find this doctor lady. I love that it was a woman. That was fun <laughs> um, to help. But just as he's going to see her, she gets kidnapped. So then he tracks her to cross um, like technology enterprises. I believe it is he- uh, cross technical enterprises. Cross technical enterprises. Bad summary. This is a bad summary, guys. <laughs> no, it's good. I really can't read my handwriting. I wrote this a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, "What did you write, Corey?" <laughs> no, I'm just a bad friend for correcting you. No, everyone really cares what it is called, and you should correct me. Uh, okay, Not professional. So. <laughs> Not professional. This is a very professional <laughs> podcast, and I ruined it. <laughs> Okay, so then he cat burglars into a house that he was casing earlier, super normal. So he, because he wants to get money to purchase muscle to go help him get the doctor out of the hands of Cross. Um, While in this house, he finds the Ant-Man costume. And he uses it and some ant friends to break in and find the doctor. And... He finds her currently operating on this truly gigantic man. And then this dude gets up from surgery and breaks the Ant-Man like antenna or something on the suit. He just kind of breaks the suit. And um, and then he imprisons Lang. And then he tells him his backstory of how... Did you already mention it was Darren Cross that is this mutated man? I had not. It is okay. Aaron Cross. He is a giant man. And that's the guy from uh, Glee. <laughs> yes, it's from Glee. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you guys that. have that that moment. I have no idea what you're talking about. Darren Chris. Uh, that, yeah. Who actually? Oh, what was it? The Harry Potter musical. Is that worse? Is that a farther nerdier joke to make? I know what Harry Potter is. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. So there was this, <laughs> I, I think it was just one of those random schools that is kind of like music, I don't know, like arts focused. And they made these very elaborate, amazing musical versions of Harry Potter that were not, they were not like direct from the books, but they, they did one for, I think, most of the books. Anyway, there it's amazing. Is, very I'm going Sorry. to do some uh, some research on this guy because I did see one guy from Glee at a concert I went to. In, oh, which one? In the audience. I don't know who it was, but I know he dated one of the uh, characters in the show. I think okay, he please. was the... Uh, let me look it up because I, I could probably figure this out. Okay, yeah, I want to know. But continue uh, as I delve yeah, into this wormhole. Okay, so Darren Cross then tells Scott his backstory of his origin story of how he was this super great CEO, but he was working himself into an early grave. He was just too good at being a CEO, which is very stressful. Um, but luckily... He had lots of money, and so he made some scientists give him a nuclear organic pacemaker. I I asked the nuclear engineer, who is a doctor now, um, who lives in my house about that. <laughs> that would just super kill you. Super, super kill you. <laughs> if in case anyone was worried about that. I you was, know, we're actually. Just, like, interested. <laughs> what? I was worried about that. Okay. Yeah, don't worry. You would be dead. <laughs> Dave's laughed a lot about it. So. All right. It was a great yeah. Uh, the character that I saw is Darren Chris. How about that? Yes, Darren Chris? Yeah, he was in the audience at a Tally Hall concert when I was in college. Wow. What? what? How? No. But I, I didn't talk to him. I just heard that he was there and like saw him in the thing. But yes, he dates uh, the character Kurt Hummel. Yes. Don't worry. I was a person that not only watched Glee, but we had a lot of the soundtracks. We would listen to them in the car. Mm, I remember that's when those were big. Like, yeah, that's that's how weird we were. I, I mean, for the amount of Glee covers I heard in that era, I don't think it's that that far far out to believe. The amount to which my family embraced it <laughs> too far. Um, wow. Wow. I can't believe you saw Darren Chris, who yes, is no, also the star of this comic book. But yes, I, I do remember hearing him hearing about him being a known Tally Hall fan, so that was uh, um, important. <laughs> oh, um, back to the nuclear pacemaker. The engineer, the nuclear engineer that I live with, he, quote, said, he got cancer uh, as a silly joke about that nuclear pace pacemaker, so he's going <laughs> to give you cancer. Um, but in the comic book world, it worked way too well. It was the best pacemaker in the freaking world. And because of that, his heart just like was going to give out because the pacemaker was too good of a pacemaker. 
So mm. he starts stealing homeless people's hearts <laughs> and just hot swapping them out. Um, and also it made him like grow giant and very strong. And now, there... so sorry, Davis. I I was just going to say this was actually a scrapped um, plot line from Iron Man one, where instead of the uh, it, it, instead of that surgeon guy in the cave saving Tony, Tony was actually going to kill him and take his heart. <laughs> uh, but they thought that that would be a little bit too graphic. Also is thrown around that. Tony, in order to uh, stop the shrapnel from going into his heart, would steal other people's hearts once the shrapnel entered. Often <laughs> the mouth. Comptively built. He 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 built a uh, protective vest inside his chest cavity made of other people's hearts to stop <laughs> any shrapnel from getting to his heart. Okay. But hold on a second. Why did he not have a heart transplant? Why have I never thought of that? Why did he not just get a new one? Yeah, there are still plenty of homeless people in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, that, that one felt a little too dark. I, no, I no, need no. to acknowledge that that was mean. I really liked it. I mean, basis for a plot line in Rat Race... <laughs> um anyway back to what we read <laughs> so now darren cross wants to take uh scott's heart um and so that's kind of where he leaves it where he's just like i'm gonna take your heart and then he pieces out and then scott he still has the ability to talk to the ants he just can't shrink so the shrinking has definitely been incorporated into the suit and yeah and he's just missing an element to do that so he calls the ants with his brain and they he's like give me the missing piece and they do it and then he fixes the suit and then he goes to kill cross and turns out awesome doctor lady she put his old heart back in so she didn't replace his heart with a new one she just like put the old one back in and so Scott goes to fight him and he just kind of drops dead because it's an old heart. And then Dr. Lady, she nice. fixes Scott's daughter. And then the yellow jacket, who is Hank, OG, um, OG Ant-Man, comes as the yellow jacket and is like, hey, let's be friends. <laughs> yeah, he basically gives him his blessing. You may be Ant-Man and I won't tell the police that you were robbing me. The <laughs> great end. Um, yeah. Well done, Corey. Yes, it was a great summary. Thank you. I. It is crazy how she just basically botches his his surgery intentionally, and she feels so guilty about it. That was an interesting detail to me as well, but. She saves Cassie's life in the process, so. Yeah, we're, I we think do. she did good. Yeah, I mean, what what can you do? It's in self-defense, I guess, in saving a bunch of lives of 
other people. A lot of homeless people. He just kind of had like a farm of homeless people. Yeah. It's very sad. Very sad. Well, those were the comics that we read, but uh, let's get into Ant-Man the film. Okay. Um, so, the story was written by Edgar Wright, who was initially also going to uh, direct it, but due to creative differences, uh, they let him go and Peyton Reed took over. And once Peyton Reed took over, I believe Paul Rudd, along with Adam McKay, made some alterations mm. to the script as well. Uh, including the inclusion of Falcon, who they both liked. Um, and uh, people kind of are thinking that that was one of the things that Edgar Wright didn't want to do, was add other MCU characters in. And kind of, he. I think, he, the, people think that he kind of wanted to do his own thing. But for the most part, in a bunch of Edgar Wright like interviews I read, it seemed like his script didn't change too much. It still kind of had the Edgar Wright feel to it, um, other than some minor changes. Like Cassie w wasn't a big part of the movie, and I think she became a bigger part uh, once he kind of left. But we are left with Ant-Man, the last film of Marvel's Phase 2 of the MCU um, following Age of Ultron. And I don't know about you guys, but kind of a, a relief to me after Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron was, was doing a little too much, and Ant-Man was a nice, fresh, uh, funny... Uh, more focused film for me. What did what did you guys think about your rewatch of Ant Man? Thought it was actually not as funny as I remember. Mm. Um, and mostly I think because I I forgot how much in the middle there's kind of this training sequence where Louise Lewis is not there. Yeah, Louise. <laughs> Louise. Yes, I love him, and I also love. Um, well, I just love Paul Rudd. Who doesn't love Paul Rudd? Um, but those, their dynamic and just kind of the comedy, I thought was a little bit more a part of the movie. But overall, solid movie. Yeah, and he, uh, you could tell that uh, his uh, his little gang gets a lot more screen time in the next movie because of how how much they stood out in this one. Right and. You know, that might be why I forgot there wasn't more, because the next one there is. So I, I think I kind of, like, conflate it, and I was like, where is he? <laughs> yeah. Fair. Davis, I, what did you think? Yeah, so I I really enjoyed this movie, especially on, on this rewatch. It, it's, it's interesting, like, how much my opinion of, my, how much my opinion of certain movies changes uh, as as we rewatch it, having read some of the comics and I guess just viewing it with a more critical eye. Um, I, I, I thought this was really funny and Ryan, as you mentioned, I think it's really, really nice to have like a palate cleanser or like a safety valve movie every now and again. Um, like 
Age of Ultron, we were literally battling for the like survival of humanity. And now we get to see a movie where Scott Lang gets out of San Quentin and kind of try and turn a new page. And part of that is keeping the Ant-Man formula like out of uh, out of unscrupulous hands. That's important, but it's probably not going to be like humanity's doom, you know? Uh, And one of the things that I want to talk about, or, or I guess one of the questions that because the the most recent Marvel movie that we've seen that came out a few months ago was Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I think that that was a good movie, but may... It, to, to me, it felt like that one was caught between two worlds. Uh, the world of, like, catering to the diehard Marvel fans who have followed every iteration, every phase, watched every show, movie, etc., and trying to cater to those who made, you know, casually well. And and I don't know if there can be another Ant-Man movie if, or, or, or like a, another movie like this, uh, if every Marvel movie will be considered a dud or a bomb if it makes less than $500 million. So I I I appreciate this. It, it it's almost quaint in comparison to some of the movies that we're seeing now. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree, and I agree about Doctor Strange as well. Where I I still am trying to figure out how like I I liked it a lot, and I liked how different it was. But I'm I'm still trying to figure out if I liked it better than the first Doctor Strange and kind of where I I rank it. But the fact that they did something different is uh, very valuable in my eyes. And it's kind of nice that that's the approach they've taken where these movies aren't necessarily just superhero movies anymore. And they're more genre films that happen to star superheroes. Um, Real quick. Oh, good. I I was just gonna say Universe of Madness, but you can't help but wonder what it could have been in the hands of a master like Joss Whedon. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank you, Davis. Thank you. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna give a brief summary of the plot of Ant Man. Thank you. Um, so we start off with Hank Pym. Uh resigning from shield refusing to give people his uh his shrinking technology he's invented uh we get some peggy carter we get some uh howard stark we get the guy he punches uh who is later in this movie uh and then we go back to present day and we see that Darren Cross is very close to this time normal man form, unlike the comic. Uh, But he's close to reproducing the shrinking technology after it's kind of been dismissed as sort of a fable or a old wives tale, if you will. And, but he, he kind of sees the vision of 
trying to make that a reality. And uh, Hope is also there. Hank Pym's daughter, who is false as dating Darren Cross, but not really. Just kind of uh, keeping an eye on him. And she informs Hank that he's close to recreating it, even though they have a weird, estranged relationship at this point. Um, but yeah, then we're introduced to Scott Lang, uh, who is currently in prison. And then he is soon out of prison and he is picked up by Luis, who, uh, has gone through a lot of hardships since he has gotten out of prison, but he still has the van. So that is good. Uh, and Lang kind of reunites with his daughter, Cassie, but his, uh, ex-wife and her new husband are kind of disappointed that he's there and want him to pay child support, even though he has just gotten out of prison and is struggling to find a job as an ex-con. Uh, but he's doing his best and he does not want to turn back to crime. And so he gets his, uh, job at Baskin Robbins. Uh, but of course, Baskin Robbins always finds out. That was the best joke (laughs) in the the movie. And I, I, like you, you, you talked about how Paul Rudd and, um, Adam McKay, stepped in and and like helped with some of the writing i feel like that had adam mckay's fingerprints all over it <laughs> what a perfect gag uh, it was good um <laughs> and then he is fired and really struggles to get some work uh and Luis constantly is telling him that he's got a job for him if he wants to go back to uh his life of crime and stealing. And of course we do find out that he's more of a Robin hood criminal where his company was wronging a lot of people. So he hacks into their system and, uh, pays all the people that have been wronged with the pensions that they were denied. Um, and he eventually falls into hard enough times where, he decides to rob a, a specific house. They break into the vault and there is no money, but it ends up being uh, a suit. We find out later is the Ant-Man suit and he shrinks to minuscule size and Hank kind of informs him that he orchestrated the whole thing um, in order for him to kind of help him steal the Ant-Man formula from Darren Cross. Um, And then they sort of train him. He has sort of a antagonistic relationship with Hope, Hank's daughter. Uh, By the way, I do not have the audio clips that I was... uh, but I was watching this with my dear, cherished, sweet fiance, Charlotte. And I had actually watched this movie with her before. And both times, just extreme disgust at 
Hope's hair. Do you guys have any thoughts about her uh, her bob kind of cut? <laughs> I I I I swear, I at at the beginning of the movie, I leaned over to my wife and said, "Oh, I totally forgot that she's wearing a wig for the first part of this movie," and then like she just keeps wearing the wig, and I I I thought that that was like the wig that she wore when she was kind of. I don't know, being a double agent for Darren Cross or, or or whatever. But then, like, she was training with Scott and was still wearing the wig. And by the end of the movie, I'm like, that wasn't a wig. Like, that that was just her hair. It was awful. I was just it about to... Have been a wig. Uh, I will send you guys this article. I'm so excited. And the title is... Evangeline Lilly shocks fans by revealing her Ant-Man hair wasn't a wig. It was just styled horribly then. Yeah. Uh, And I'm very sad because I had recorded audio clips of Charlotte in disgust exclaiming. It didn't matter when, but she just the second that hair was on site, she was just like, how did she get away with having this hair in this movie? I can't do it justice because she the shock in her voice really paints a picture for the listener. Thank you. I definitely understand what they were going for of like she's really buttoned up. She's kind of uptight. Like we give her this corporate Bob thing. Um, It just didn't work. And it was like it was not it was not well done. I didn't like it. I the entire time yeah. I kind of feel like her hair and like maybe the makeup or the clothing just made me hate her. And I was like, I don't actually dislike this actress and I don't feel like she's doing a bad job. She's just bugging me. Yeah, was this was this her big role outside of Lost? Was she ever in anything else besides Lost? I can't think I, of anything else. Oh yeah, she was in The Hobbit, that's right. I don't remember that at all. She was wasn't she the girl that the uh, one of the hobbits fell in love with, or one of the dwarves? I mean, she is because there was like all that controversy with they had to add more stuff in that movie to make it three movies, and so they uh, added a love scene between one of the dwarves and this elven woman. Yes, yes, I'm remembering that. I I I will say um because the haircut is so bad and this this picture that is like the the that come the, the the header of the of the article that you sent it looks like I don't know her her lipstick looks really extreme here anyway whatever they did between this and Ant-Man and the Wasp I remember seeing that movie and thinking to myself, wow, I had no idea how pretty Evangeline Lilly was. And it's basically because they just let her like grow her hair out and wear it in a ponytail and didn't give her such extreme lipstick. Uh, And if you want to wear extreme lipstick, do you, sis? But maybe like pick one thing. And she didn't in this. Or she wasn't allowed to in this. Yeah, I think she wasn't allowed to. I have a hard time believing that she chose any of that. Well, 
Speaking of Corey, we need your thoughts on uh, Paul Rudd being skinny ripped in this movie. I think this is Paul Rudd's ideal body size. I think he looks amazing. Um, okay. Yeah, no, no. I think this is his ideal. My other thought was Friends. He's so cute in Friends. But I think this is better. I think this is perfect Paul Rudd. All right. He, he, he had the obligatory shirtless scene. And he had clearly been doing some work. It looked good. I think if I were ever to become a bodybuilder... This is the body I would go for. I wouldn't want to be like a Chris Hemsworth or a Chris Pratt or a Chris Evans. Um, so I love the podcast um, Armchair Experts, and they had an episode where Dak Shepard was interviewing, uh, oh, um, Mac, no, Rob McElhenney from Always Sunny Always in Philadelphia. Funny. Yes. And he was talking because he, he has done a lot of like very insane weight loss stuff and very different body types. And one of them, he basically brought the picture of Brad Pitt in Fight Club and was like, I want to have this body. And the, the trainer that he brought the picture to, he didn't even show him the picture yet. Like Brad Pitt in Fight Club. Uh, real quick, Corey, we lost you for a second. The last thing we heard is he brought the picture in from Fight Club. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So he bought. Anyway, the 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 trainer was like, before even seeing the picture or knowing who it was, he was like, "Let me guess. You want to look like Brad Pitt from Fight Club?" <laughs> <laughs> and and he's like, "This is actually one of the hardest body types to get." So I actually wonder if Paul Rudd did different work, but equally as difficult work to get this body because to be skinny strong is basically starving yourself and still doing a lot of bodybuilding. Um, but it's like a very, it's a different look, but it's also incredibly difficult. Interesting. Yeah. Cause yeah, you're anyway, it was just, it was really interesting hearing about it. Um, but I, I feel like Paul Rudd, this is my preference, though. I think a lot of people look better when they look proportional, but that doesn't mean it's not an insane thing to do. I don't know if anyone in real life should ever do this. <laughs> if if someone asked me to bring a picture in of what I huh. wanted to look like at the end of some physical journey, I would bring the picture of Bart Simpson imagining his life in the future <laughs> where where he says, I bathe myself with a rag on a stick. <laughs> and he's like 600 pounds and lives on the couch. Such a great, great episode. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is also making me think of Natalie Portman and her new look for Love and Thunder. I can. I want to know what in the world did she do to get all of that muscle mass? It is looking. Yeah, she's insane. pretty cut. Maybe timely. This episode might be out after Love and Thunder <laughs> has come out, even though we were recording movie, it two months in advance of that. Man, that movie was so. This opinion <laughs> has been redacted until further notice. <laughs> Um, so 
we eventually get a training montage with Scott learning how to be Ant-Man. And Darren Cross uh, successfully shrinking a lamb after turning a bunch into goo and angrily screaming for more lambs. Okay. So my 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 wife literally gasped and said, "Oh my!" when uh when he turned that guy into goo and just wiped him up with a napkin. Oh yeah. And then when 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 they go in and they're they're trying the lambs, like I I can't remember if it was Hope or one of the scientists, but they said, "I thought we were using mice." And he looks at her and says, "What's the difference?" Very good point. I, like that is that is probably the most logical thing that he says in the entire movie. It's a big difference. He he he's he's a consequentialist. A life is a life. Okay, I'm going this is not very kind of me, but I'm just thinking rats reproduce a lot easier and a lot faster to my understanding than lambs. So and they're a lot smaller, and so I'd imagine they're a lot easier to care for. They cost a lot less. You could have a lot in a small space versus lambs that are a lot larger. And he was well, once he shrinks baby. them, they'll be easy to feed and take care of. Which is killing them. I just and imagine then- him having a diagram of the food chain and rats and lambs being in the same <laughs> side. <laughs> Um, what happened next, Ryan? Well, uh, we're given hints that uh, Hank's wife, Janet, has uh, died somehow, but he's kind of vague on the details. I believe he lies, and everyone knows he's lying. Um, and then he finally reveals that they were trying to... Uh, save America from a Soviet nuclear missile and that in order to get into the very tiny uh, ceiling, Janet has to go subatomic and go so small that she can get through the uh, the molecules and take out some uh, some of the wires to disable it, but there's no coming back and she gets trapped into the quantum realm. Uh, and so he doesn't want his daughter to suffer the same fate, so that's why he doesn't want her to become the Ant-Man herself. Um, really quick about that, I this is a point where I just have a really hard time understanding how this woman is so good at controlling ants. Like, I feel like she is clearly recently done this so that it kind of makes me feel like she i don't know has been working with this technology and therefore her father and yet has no idea how her mother died and like i don't know it was very it was very hard for me to suspend the disbelief that this is the time that she learns about this yeah maybe she thought if she learned how to control the ants as good as her father he would finally respect her enough Ooh, i like that twist Oh, but, now that I now now that you have my respect because you're able to make ants throw 
many sugar cubes into tea like I can. <laughs> I'll finally tell you how your mother died. <laughs> she went into the quantum realm. Next question. <laughs> um, so then uh, they I forget why so if you remember remind me they need to steal a part from Avengers headquarters which they say uh, is currently e empty yes Davis I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was it, it, it was like, oh, shoot, I, I, I was going to say, like, they needed enough power to do something. But, oh, 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 did, uh, what, what, whatever they stole was able to, like, emit enough power or emit some sort of, I don't know, signal that, like, shut down all of the servers mm, that's at, right. um, at yes. whatever. The... That was not what I thought it was, but it's definitely right. I, I'm I, I'm gonna be honest. I enjoyed this movie, but like the heisty element, where like basically when they're trying to steal the yellow jacket suit, that got really convoluted for me, and I kind of lost the thread. Mm. See, like this movie was a lot of things, and I love a heist movie. I love being a heist. I love silly heist. But I felt like to put all of the training stuff, because there was so much movie that was training. I swear half of the movie was training. And then we have a heist. It just, it all got lost together. So shall we uh, delve into our famous segment of ranking the heists in the Marvel movie? Mm. Yes. <laughs> so where does this rank with the... Uh, I believe the two heists we've seen so far, oh, the three heists we've seen before this is Thor of the Dark World, where they kind of hide, they do their heist, but then it's kind of forgotten halfway through the heist. Uh, then we have Captain America Winter Soldier, the heist within the three ships uh, to take control and kind of make them lose their signal. And the Guardians of the Galaxy heist where they break out of the prison and uh, yeah, they basically just break out of the prison. Groot steals the giant, the thing while they're explaining the heist. And then we have the Ant-Man heist. Man, good recall. I know. Solid. Uh, um, I'm going to go with Guardians of the Galaxy is my number one heist. Agreed. Yeah, I I can't argue it, but I I'm gonna say for me, Ant Man is my number two heist. Oh. I, I so I I I was gonna say Guardians is number one, Dark World is last, and I'm I'm happy with wherever you slot the other two. Mm. I will say there is an argument for Ant Man to be number one for me, just because mm. it's the one that is an actual heist. Where I feel like they're all heists and Guardians of the Galaxy is a heist, but it's only a brief scene, but it's done so well that I still think I got to put it above Ant-Man. Yeah. Say something absolutely crazy. <laughs> and I think Thor might be my second favorite heist. <laughs> only because it uses, even though they stop halfway through the heist, which is so dumb, but 
one of my favorite parts about heists are when they like kind of like pre-live it. So yes. they're like, this is what we're gonna do. And then it goes wrong, you know, and then they show like the opposite. Mm. Um, or something like, you know, like they show what really happened. Yeah. So I just oh, I love that so much. That's true. And, yeah. And then I think Ant-Man is third, and then Captain America is fourth. Wow. I know, crazy. Well, that was high strength. Thank you for tuning into that. I'm so I'm going to push back a little bit on on Thor being a good like the the more I think about it, I feel like Ant-Man might actually be the best heist because as Lewis as Lewis is describing it, um, you know, he says, so here's what's going to happen. Right. And you hear that. Like, I, I, I can't mimic it with my. um with, with with like any noise that I could make, but yeah. it's like the, uh, but like like a wooden. Do you do you do, do, do you know the sound that I'm talking I'm about? I'm trying to think of the you. instrument, like, but it's the one that's in all the cakes songs. Is that what you're thinking <laughs> of? Yeah, like like the it, it it's it's something hitting like like a wooden a wooden bell of some kind. But just you, you, you play it like really fast before getting into. All right, here's what's gonna happen first, you know. And then there's like light music under it, and Ant Man is the only one that does that. And for that reason alone, I feel like it might actually be my number one as we talk this out. All right, real quick, I'm gonna share my screen with you guys. And I'm going to play you the sound of the vibra slap, which I don't think is exactly what this is, but I just wanted to play this. This is the sound that I was thinking of in all all of Cake's uh, songs. Um, but I do need you, Davis, to uh, click on the screen. Oh, okay. Here we go. In order for you to hear it. All right, here it is. Nope, that is not right. All right. I mean, that's that 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 that's pretty close. It's like getting it. it, it it's if there was an elongated version of that. Yeah, I feel like when Cake uses it, it sounds more like what I was thinking of. Yeah, like more elongated, like you're saying the the virus. Cyberslap Wikipedia page absolutely needs to have two more audio samples. One of the way that Cake always uses it, and two, the introduction to um, Luis's <laughs> segues. Yeah, j j just to heights in general. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. Well, um, we'll we'll kind of skim through the rest of this where. Ant-Man basically steals the thing, but the Falcon is there, and they kind of have a little battle at Avengers Headquarters. First time seeing Avengers Headquarters, uh, other than the very end of Age of Ultron. So exciting stuff. Uh, and then Darren has a unveiling ceremony of what he has done, and he, create, he shows off the yellow jacket suit. Uh... 
Hank stops by, uh, telling him to kind of stop, but also he's there to kind of show it or start the, the heist off. Um, and then basically it's action from there. Ant-Man kind of goes in, tries to steal the suit, but Darren is, uh, prepared for them and they get caught. And then, how, do you guys remember how uh, Scott escapes? I forgot that part. Um, he, was this d- when he like uses the, the like things that expand to get himself out of the the little trap? That sounds right to me. Because he get trapped. He gets trapped where the yellow jacket suit was. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, and then he uses those like flying discs that expand and like breaks out of it. Okay, yes. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, (laughs) and then they are eventually. uh, They they kind of battle inside of. Well, yeah, Darren puts on the yellow jacket suit. And they have a little battle. And part of it is in a helicopter. Part of it is at uh, in someone's backyard. Part of it is in <laughs> Cassie's house. And for each of these scenes, the best parts of the movie for me where they use the setting and they're constantly shrinking and enlarging funny things that you don't imagine what it would be like if it was small, like the scene where they're in the briefcase and the phone plays mm. the, uh, the song while they're shrunken in the briefcase and it like is in slow motion. Is it, isn't it a cold play song or something like that? And is there, any, is there, is there any chance that it was yellow by cold play? It, it probably was, <laughs> but I cannot remember off the top of my head. And like the giant lifesavers almost crushed them. Yeah, and the uh, him getting swatted into that family's backyard's uh, bug zapper, dude. Yes, that was brutal. That. <laughs> and, and and well, like you see him still hanging there and like screaming in agony uh, <laughs> because his his little pincers are just caught between two of the of the. Uh, I don't know nodules and so there's just a current running through him the whole time yikes yeah and then (laughs) we uh we go to Cassie's room which has the little toy train set and a big battle ensues while they're shrunken by the toy train set and I love the part where he's about to get run over by the train and then Yes. It zooms out and just the train falls apart because it really has no impact at all. Um and of course they shrink a big uh, ant or sorry, they enlarge a big ant, they enlarge a big Thomas the train engine that breaks through their house and eventually uh Scott realizes he has to go quantum in order to uh or subatomic in order to get into the yellow jacket suit and break the wires. Uh, and he goes into the quantum realm and 
not really explained. I think it's vaguely hinted that he hears his daughter screaming for him. And that kind of breaks him out of the trance he's in. And he puts an enlarging disc in his uh, Ant-Man suit. And uh, gets out of the quantum realm. We also forgot to mention that much like one of the aforementioned lambs, Darren Cross turns into a little goo uh, by shrinking. And yeah, all is well. Scott uh, gets a... Does he get the job? No, no, no. That's for the next movie. But yeah. He uh, starts... He also makes out with Hope. Another important thing. No, really, I kind of liked that because sometimes these like getting together at the end are really cheesy, and I feel like they did such a fun job with that. <laughs> oh yes, and we at the end we find out that the Falcon is looking for Ant Man through one of Luis's uh, great oh. stories, and then stories they are the best, and then. Post credits. Uh, Hope see or Hank shows Hope the wasp suit that he's working on, and we are treated with a scene from Civil War at the very end. Anything I missed? Anything you guys want to touch on? Uh, another one of my favorite parts is the weird, ugly doll. That. <laughs> yeah. Scott gives his daughter at the end or at the beginning of the movie. I, so I, I want to point out two things about Hank Pym. Number one, I feel like, so like the, the three smartest people in the Marvel universe, at least I think, are Tony Stark, Hank Pym, and Reed Richards. Um, I feel like they basically, for the purposes of the MCU, wrapped Tony Stark and Hank Pym into one, or maybe made like Howard Stark a Hank, like Hank Pym, and then Tony Stark, Tony Stark. Um, because a lot of the stuff, like in the comic books, that that Tony is kind of responsible for in the MCU was originally like a Hank Pym joint. Um, so I, I don't know. They, I, 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 I guess I just find it interesting that they include him here, but he's kind of moved on to being like the wise old man on the mountain. He, he's not like a hero in his own right. And they did a good job of making him just, a grumpy crotchety old man without making him completely unlikable. Maybe that's just Michael Richards. I don't know. Uh, Michael Douglas, Michael Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would have, uh, it would have been interesting to see Kramer as <laughs> Hank Pym though. <laughs> I, I actually sincerely hope that he makes his way into the MCU. <laughs> I highly doubt that for, a few reasons, but it would be an interesting, entertaining choice. <laughs> Give him a chance. <laughs> um, yeah, 
I I I think this is a great movie. I think it is one of the funnier Marvel movies. Like I feel like they do a good job with jokes that I think kind of still hold up. I know yeah. Corey, you disagree. Or was it you, Davis, who thought it was less funny? No, it was Corey. Well, I, I thought it. I thought, I thought it was funnier. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Why do you think it was funnier? I, I I think I'm just I'm I'm growing more aware of like the Marvel playbook, like the 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 Marvel humor guide, and. I don't know. Some some of the things that were funny when I first saw them in theaters now just kind of make me groan. And I know it's not fair to be like, this isn't funny the 25th time I've seen this movie. But <laughs> they're like. Like the 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 train scene, that's always going to make me laugh when when Thomas the tank engine is just hurtling towards them. And they, they both duck for cover and then it pans back out and you just see a tiny toy train like hit something and fall over on its side that that's just i don't know to me that is always going to be funny but when i can mouth along with the movie clinch up legolas uh before before iron man like launches hawkeye up onto a tower i don't know it just it it, it this movie has funny scenes or funny sequences and doesn't rely on quips, which I think is one of the one of the things that makes a lot of Marvel movies not like sustainably funny. Yeah, I think a lot of times the quips represent the times. And so, That's like, true, I too. think the most recent Marvel movies are going to use things that will make us laugh in the moment but maybe aren't as good upon rewatch but maybe they're they're fixing that but i i think this one and thor ragnarok do a great job of kind of being movies that i think will be funny forever hopefully i could be wrong so i think all of the things you're pointing out are completely correct um, I think I just had remembered it as the funniest or one of the funniest. Mm. And rewatching it, I, I just realized that some of the things I really liked about it, I think I was kind of combining maybe. Or mm. um, it might just been one of those things where I haven't rewatched it since the first time. So it wasn't just as refreshing. Uh, I still I still thought it was a funny movie. But I, I think it's kind of because there's like so much in the middle that's less funny. Um, yeah, it. I, I built it up too much in my head. I thought it was just laughing the whole time. And it was it was still laughing, but not the whole time. Yeah. Uh, also, we have failed to mention thus far. Uh, Kurt and Dave. Uh, played by David Desmalchian and T.I. Uh great sidekicks as well. Luis steals the show in a way, but I do love Dave and Kurt as characters. I I, I agree. So, I really love David Dalmalchian. Um 
I think T.I. is a terrible actor <laughs> and did not like him at all. I I think David Desmalchian definitely steals the show out of those two. But I do Baba think Yaga. that yeah, the, the Baba Yaga stuff from the next movie is good stuff. Um, but I do like T.I. in this movie as well. I think he's pretty funny. I think he's got some good lines, but I think he's got, I don't know, less to say. Maybe less of a unique character is the way to put that. Whereas I, 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 Luis and Kurt, like they they have like something more unique going on. Right. So I, I, I guess with T.I., like we we have to recognize that he's a musician first. He he's like a hip hop artist first and an actor second. So now we have to consider his body of work and compare that to other hip hop artists who are also actors. We have Will Smith. Uh I don't think that he you know is on the level of Will Smith. We have Donald Glover. Oh my I gosh. I don't think he's on the level of Donald Glover. Do we think now, though that Donald Glover is actor first, musician second. Like, yes. He might be writer first. I, I'm 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 being unfair by starting with Will Smith and Donald Glover because I think both of them <laughs> on on, on the spectrum with, of. Let's start with Ice Cube. <laughs> ooh, I was going to go. Well, honestly, Ice Cube is better. I, I I mean I I think Ice Cube is better. Honestly, all I've seen him act in is Are We There Yet? Um, what about but... uh, John Mulaney's impression of him in his stand-up? Okay, so Ryan, <laughs> I was on TikTok the other day, and someone had a video of the scene that John Mulaney is doing an impression of. Uh -huh. It is the same. It is the exact same. It's amazing. <laughs> so, are we talking Ice Cube or Ice T? Oh, Ice T is who I was thinking of. I apologize. Wow. Well, Ice T, he it feels like he had a music career. I genuinely don't know if he did, but I thought I he don't did. feel like I I, I I don't feel like you can just start out as an actor and say, "Oh, and my name is Ice T." Like that that has to be some sort of <laughs> artist name that he carried over. It, anyway, I feel like the closest comp is ludicrous and ti and ludicrous are at least arguably in the same conversation fair but i'd still okay. give the nod to luda <laughs> and not not in this movie but i just feel like ant-man is good at introducing some fun side characters because of course we later get jimmy woo Yes. Oh, wow. Turns out to be a, a great character as well. And I feel like the gang in the next movie kind of evolves. I Even though I know people don't really like the second Ant-Man movie as much. I feel like there's there's a lot of good things in that one that, that kind of evolve from this first movie. Jimmy Woo, master of close-up magic. <laughs> Uh, any any final thoughts on the movie before we get into our uh, rankings? Yes, I have two quick things. All right. Um, so one is, I just had to tell you my favorite quote from the movie. Um, and it is, 
it was never a it was never just a heist it was never just a heist so good <laughs> very impactful <laughs> i loved it so much um, oh and then the other thing i don't know if we've really talked about the movie compared to um oh what was the comic book that's basically the, the two. to steal an ant-man marvel premiere 47 to 48 yeah yeah and i just i thought it was really interesting the pieces that they did take from it like scott lang leaving prison kind of early on and then his daughter being an important part i really like you know as you as you mentioned that they kind of added the daughter in more and i like that it was the same motivation just kind of a slightly different version but it was both around money for his daughter yeah. um a little less sad because she's not dying of cancer <laughs> she uh she in the comics later becomes stature Ooh. and later stinger and she's part of the Young Avengers. So cute. I wonder if she's going to come back. Also, Cassie, I believe, is recast in everything that she does. Uh, as far as the movies are concerned. Like as a rule? I, I don't know if it's as a rule, but I think <laughs> she might be a different. So she's portrayed by Abby Ryder Forston and then Emma Furham. In the next movie, and then There's she different girls. Maybe she's the same in the first two movies. Mm. Well, I mean, I, it... I can't remember. I know that they recast her recently, and they recast her as an older version mm. as well. Ages they... are hard just to keep yeah. the same actress from a child. Well, because she she didn't get snapped so they had to like fast forward her a little bit yeah i mean a lot but okay. honestly like you you could put a cute little girl in ant-man and the wasp that isn't the same cute little girl in ant-man and i probably wouldn't notice yeah yep. she she is the same in the first two movies okay and then they age her up in endgame and then in the next movie, she's portrayed by a different actress. Oh, interesting. Oh. It'd be really funny if they went back to the same first actress. <laughs> They're like, you're old enough now. I don't think they didn't do that, but I just think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> um, all right. I think I'm ready. I, those are my thoughts. All right. Well, we have two sets of rankings. One, we're going to rank phase two. And then we're going to rank phase one and phase two together. Uh, I will start. I am going to say Ant-Man is my number one of phase two. Captain America Winter Soldier is my number two. Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man 3, Thor the Dark World, and then my least favorite is Age of Ultron. All right. Um... I'll go next. All right. And I'm actually going to go in ascending order okay. to confuse the audience. <laughs> so my least favorite is Thor the Dark World. All right. My second least favorite, Age of Ultron. Uh, Iron Man 3, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, and then Winter Soldier on top. It's a good list. Thank okay, you. I, 
I'm gonna go descending. Just so we're just gonna go like in a wave. Um, so same as Davis, my number one is Winter Soldier, and then my number two is Ant Man. My number three is Guardians. I'm gonna pause there and just say in different orders, but we have the same movies in the top three. So like Winter Soldier, Ant-Man, Guardians are all of our top three, just in if different orders, which I feel like is kind of the same as phase one. There's just kind of a clear, at least for us, these are the better three. These are the worst three. <laughs> uh, the, the, these are the better three. These are the Thor movies for phases one and two. <laughs> uh, yeah, all of us have number four, uh, Iron Man three. So that's also mine. And then I have Age of Ultron and Dark World number uh, six. Last. I don't know how to count. I just I hate it so much. Like, I just hate it. Also, I can't put Age of Ultron last because of how much I love Scarlet Witch. You know? She is a great character, but I think didn't need to be introduced at Age of Ultron. And even if she did, they did such a disservice to her. I will never forget the dog crap cgi of her supposedly like retreating into a room using her witch magic but it was just them rewinding a video of her walking into a room weirdly that is one thing i like and something they bring back in future movies oh my goodness Uh, not not just rewinding but just kind of that kind of janky like entrance that she does. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I, go, go ahead, Corey. Oh, no, I was just getting ahead of myself. And I was saying for the next set, I think we should go together and do like the same number at once together. Okay. I, I also like ascending order. So bottom to top. Mm. So revealing uh, David, what our favorite is. Okay. David, okay. did you have a final comment on our phase two rankings? No, I'm ready. Okay. All right. Ryan, do you want to lead us off? Yes. My least favorite movie is Age of Ultron. Davis, what's yours? Uh, mine, mine is Thor. I hate Thor. <laughs> I hate Jane Foster in Thor. Um, I like no. Darcy. Okay. Okay. And I honestly, I don't even like Dr. Eric Selvig in that movie, but I do like him in Dark World. Because he gives up the shmeat. My least favorite is a different Thor. I hate Dark World so much. Fair. But one of your favorite heists. One of my favorite heists. See, this is my (laughs) issue. Well, no, and I think that's actually the beauty of all of these Marvel movies is this may be my least favorite movie, but I love a lot of the elements because none of them are actually terrible movies. Yeah. I would watch it again. And that is the thing is like, the bottom of the Marvel barrel is still something I'm going to watch above, I don't know, Batman versus Superman or something like that. But that just hurts my heart, just how terrible that movie is. Um, I'll, I'll just say that the reason we started this podcast is our moms all have the same name. I'll just say that. My next movie is Thor one i also (laughs) i also rank thor 
below Thor of the Dark World like Davis. Thor sucks. <laughs> oh, it's on to me. Um, my next one is Avengers Age of Ultron. B- basically, the only reason that this one is better than Thor is because there's that freeze frame of all of the Avengers flying through the air in the opening scene. That was cool. Fair. My second, uh, second to last is Avengers Age of Ultron. Even though I love Scarlet Witch, bottom of the barrel. Fair. Thor of the Dark World is my uh, my next one. It's uh, slightly better uh, than Thor to me. Yeah. Confusingly, mine is also Thor the Dark World, even though in my Phase 2 rankings, I had that as the worst movie of Phase 2, and Age of Ultron is in Phase 2. But in my full rankings, Dark World beats out Age of Ultron even though there's an even worse version of Jane Foster in Thor The Dark World. Uh, Well, my third is, or my 10, my 10th is Thor. So once again, we have the same bottom three. They're just in slightly different orders. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number nine, Ryan. Um, Number nine is Iron Man 2 for me. Uh, I I struggled um, with this one, though, and almost did the same order as Davis. Yeah, so number nine is Iron Man 3 for me. Uh, This was hard for me as well. I have an unreasonable love for Mickey Rourke and Guy Pearce, and it really hurt me to have to choose one over the other because, I don't know, neither of these movies were, like, spectacular, but... It was Mickey Rourke, so he he had to get the nod and jump up to number eight. But we're on number nine, which is Iron Man 3. And my number nine to break a... Well, not to break a pattern at all. It's the same as Ryan's. Iron Man 2. <laughs> I really hate this movie. All right. Uh, number eight. Uh, Iron Man 3 was right next to Iron Man 2 for me on this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same here. Uh, Iron Man pees in his suit. So <laughs> Iron Man 2, number 8. Alright, and I apologize to Ryan, but my number 8 is The Incredible Hulk. It's okay. I I understand, but I do like Edward Norton as the Hulk, and I think it was refreshing for me as the 2003 Hulk was a movie my cousin made me walk out of because he was so bored. And so I just and even though I kind of wanted to sit and watch what was going to happen in the 2003 Hulk, I never even thought about it after walking out. And so it was refreshing to see a newer, better Hulk than that one. Uh, Well, what's your number seven? Uh, Yes. Captain America, the first Avenger. I I like this movie, but it's it is very like middle of the Marvel movies to me. Uh, honestly, I almost want to pull an audible, but I'll trust the Davis of forty five 
minutes to 90 minutes ago and just <laughs> st- stick with it and say Hulk here. Um, I find it really interesting that they're just now starting to kind of like reclaim certain parts of Hulk. Like we're seeing more of abomination. It looks like Tim Roth himself is going to be in She-Hulk as we all know, because we've watched a few episodes. Um, <laughs> uh, so, actually, yeah. I don't know if this episode will be out by the time. Uh, oh, because She-Hulk I, is I, in August, I believe. Oh, jeez! I I just assumed it was coming up because we saw a preview. We will have bad, seen all of Miss Marvel, which is what? the next one, next show in June. I didn't realize Holy that. Holy cow. I, yeah, I'm either. really hoping that for She-Hulk, they have time to make some revisions with the CGI and just be like, oh, everyone hated this. Let's fix it. It was awful. Yeah, it'll be interesting. If it's a good enough show, I can forgive it. Because I uh-huh. was able to ignore the Moon Knight CGI, which I also didn't think was their their best work. But after a while, I just kind of accepted, yeah, this is what it looks like. <laughs> um, is it, who's, is it, my, whose turn is it? Yes, it is you, Corey. Okay, okay. I have the same number seven as Ryan. I have Captain America, the first Avenger. And I have Hulk as my number six. The Incredible Hulk. Um, I, I have Captain America. I, I don't know. Maybe I would flip that if I had more time to think, but it's Captain America. We, we have the right to change any of these as time goes on as well. We, well, we are. Well, next time we do a phase, we're going to totally revamp. I think I'm already considering moving my number one though. (laughs) All right. Well, if you do it before we say it out loud, I'm going to keep it for this episode, but. Everyone know I'm considering changing it because of (laughs) our recent rewatch of it like six episodes ago. All right. My number six is Iron Man 3, which is totally crazy because the next per like Ryan did it at number eight. Davis did it at number nine. And yet I kind of like Iron Man 3. I don't know. No, I'm going to keep it. I I feel okay about it. It's. It's not a bad movie. It's a little long, and it's Tony is too long. much of a jerk to that kid. True, true. But um, I, I love right, the Mandarin reveal. So fun. That was also, I think, the first time I have watched it all the way through. So <laughs> that might be why it's higher on the list. Uh, all right, Ryan, your number five. five. Guardians of the Galaxy. A great movie. Bad take. Bad take. <laughs> oh, I mean, all of these next five movies are good. No, that, that, I think when we get to this part, it gets really hard. I I agree. Uh, because I, I, I feel bad putting Ant-Man at five, but that's where I've got it. Mm-hmm. I have Guardians at number five as well. Bad take. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's a bad take. Uh, My number four is Captain America the Winter Soldier. A great movie. 
I think it's a bit lower than the other ones because I think it does get a little long for me sometimes. But that doesn't usually bother me while I'm watching it, so. Um, my, my, my number four is Iron Man. Uh, it's a great post nine 11 movie. Uh, and I think does a really good job of capturing the time while also remaining, you know, a fun rewatch. And my number four is Ant-Man. Which is my number three. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> uh, number three for me is Avengers. Yeah, and number three for me is Captain America. I, I am Winter now Soldier, seeing... correct? Oh, sorry, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Um, where do you have that? Oh, wow. Davis has it a lot higher. Okay. Um, which was a spoiler. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, Yeesh. I feel like. I loved this because of Natasha and just like a lot of the character development. But yeah, I feel like it's a solid number three for me. I really liked it, but it's, oh, this, this top three is getting really hard. Yeah. Right. I, I put Iron Man as number two. Mm -hmm. Um, just uh, every time I watch that movie, I'm like, this is just a classic like revenge movie <laughs> uh, and like just a classic like prisoner movie and just like they did well i agree with what davis hinted at is that it's a good movie for the time um and i i think it is a good movie for right now as well but not because of the same situations but just looking at it within that prism of that time i think it'll always be a good movie i don't know it's just good agreed um so my my number two is guardians of the galaxy i love it um i i, I i've had to like check myself on this multiple times but i honestly think that guardians of the galaxy is my favorite like mcu property franchise or whatever oh. it's crazy i uh, i'm i'm really excited for us to talk about guardians of the galaxy too awesome well my number 2 same as Ryan, Iron Man. I I was actually surprised this time rewatching and also making this list at how much I still love it. I I don't know if I previously knew that it was my number two, but it really still is. For for phase two, I think things are gonna really shake up for phase three. My whole list is gonna be different. Mm, yeah, I think so too. Uh, my number one is Marvel's The Avengers, and I am not confident about that because the recent rewatch we did, I was like, eh, this isn't as hitting as hard as it did the first couple times I saw this. And I don't know, maybe 
it moves down later, but maybe it doesn't. I I I still have the nostalgia attached to it of the first time seeing it, the first time they had kind of successfully done a team up of this yeah. caliber in the movies and the first time like a big superhero movie was like fun like one of the funnier movies I saw that year. I don't know. It was quite the experience and I think that nostalgia kind of still carries it to the top for me. I I mean, like it's uh, Avengers is another one of those movies that feels quaint um for its time, but it was a total coup when when it came out. Like the idea that you could fit this many characters in and do it well uh it it's it's hard to like overstate that i so i definitely oh, can see like like me imagining showing this movie to my children like it totally puts into perspective of like your dad being like well you got to watch james bond James Bond was one of my favorite movies growing up. And then you watch like one of the old James Bonds and you're like, all right, when is this over? Like, I don't know. I can totally see like this not aging well. And then like them being like, uh, Avengers is a dad movie. That really hurts to think about. <laughs> like, 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 J- James Bond is such a perfect place to put it as to where you've you've made your point and it's it's not like outlandish but that was like a gut punch to hear. <laughs> oh, someone who watched maybe even too young, maybe not too too young, but like I definitely remember like being on the couch watching a bunch of James Bonds with my dad and being like, "Yeah, this is okay." And kind of liking some of them, but not necessarily loving anything. And I'm just, oh, Ryan, that was, yeah. Yeah. Like, I I just have, like, a visceral memory of all of this. Well. Their name's Bond. James Bond. (laughs) The good news is, if we all start pumping out children relatively soon, they can at least catch the tail end of the MCU. (laughs) So think about that. Let's have a discussion offline about our procreation plan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys get into your number number one. Davis? Hey, All right. So, oh, I, sorry, I, I, I was speaking, but maybe you didn't catch it. No. Uh, no. Anyway, my bad. Uh, my number one is Captain America. The Winter Soldier. Uh, <laughs> beautiful. Love this movie. I I love how cool Bucky is. This, this, by the way, is like the best that we ever see. Bernard Bucky, uh, whatever his name is. I he's he's amazing. I believe his name is uh, Steve. There we go, Benry. Uh, Steve Rogers is wearing an incredible leather jacket at the end of the movie that I want so bad. Um, 
it, it, it looks like he just skinned a cow and put a zipper on it. It's, it's unreal. Which is the look that people want. Skin a cow, put a zipper. Whew. Yeah, it looks nice. Um, it, anyway, I just, I... Pretty much the only thing that I don't like about it is Robert Redford. Uh, but other than that, I like just about every aspect of the movie. It's great. And it may not remain number one, but will always be very high on my list of Marvel movies. It is really good. And kind of sets the stage for the future of the Avengers. Where that team kind of takes over the Avengers movies after Civil War. Uh, well, my number one is also Avengers. Um, and I actually feel like this is a crazy statement for me because I remember not liking this movie. Wow. I I think, I don't remember why I disliked it, but it was like not my favorite. And I think also of all the like, I don't know, why am I so drawn to this Joss Whedon movie when... I feel like I just can't stop making fun of Joss Whedon now. <laughs> and yet, this is still my favorite. It's, I don't know, it feels weird. And I know it's going to fall in the next phase very low, just because I think some of my ne- my favorite movies are in the next phase, but it's still really high for me. I really like it. Wow. Well, that was our ranking of... All of the Marvel movies of Phase 1 and Phase 2. Um, Corey, I don't remember any of our social media or email addresses, but please <laughs> plug them if you remember them. So I keep just posting on my personal social media, um, but we do have um, another account. You know what? I'm going to put it in the episode. Oh, no, I found it cinematic underscore comic verse so cinematic underscore comic verse i'll also put it in the bio of the episode um but on that you will see the like the important pictures and comic frames or whatever that we loved so you can kind of follow along as we talk about them and uh what is our email if you want to email any questions I should know oh, this. That's a great question. I should also know it. Do you know Davis? I is it? I never claim to be professional, by the way. <laughs> uh, I I was I was just gonna guess cinematic comic verse at Gmail. It is cinematic dot comic verse. Uh, comic verse. So email is a dot. Instagram underscore. That is totally easy to remember. (laughs) There you go. Reach out to us with any questions. uh, Yell at us about our opinions. Tell us if we said anything wrong, which I know I do probably every episode. Um, And check out the our favorite comic panels on the uh, Instagram page. But that's all. I, I'm really no. bad at ending stuff. Is there like an ending phrase that we should say? Well, well what, what's happening next time? Oh, yeah. 
we're going to be reviewing uh, Captain America Civil War with uh, special guest <laughs> Sterling Mason. So, who I feel like we allude to almost every episode, so everyone's in for a real treat. Even if we didn't allude to him, it is going to be a real treat for everyone. All right, well, thank you for uh, joining us this week, and we will catch you all the next time. Goodbye. See ya. Bye.